How much E&O coverage does my RIA need? That is today's question on the transition to RIA question and answer series. It is episode number 83. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RIA model. Uh, if you are not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, uh, you can find all of the resources I make available from this entire series in video format, podcast format. I have articles, I have white papers, all kinds of resources to help you better understand the RIA model. Again, transition to RIA.com. Okay, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about if I have my own RIA, how much ENO coverage do I need to have for it? So quick, quick reminder or primer for, for some of you, ENO stands for errors and omissions insurance. And so that we refer to it uh, just as ENO typically in the industry. Uh, and, and think of that as professional liability insurance as an advisor. So that is that is what protects you uh, from a number of kind of risks, if you will, in the marketplace. So by definition of ENO, errors and omissions, part of it is for if an error is made, for instance, in place in a trade and the, the proverbial fat fingered uh, where you were supposed to uh, buy or sell 100 shares and you accidentally bought or sold 1,000 shares. And by the time it was corrected, the market moved against the position. So it is there for errors, but it is also in, in large part there for to protect you from, among other things, uh, perhaps lawsuits from clients, particularly that have no merit, uh, but which could result in significant legal costs for you to defend. So again, it's professional liability insurance to protect you in that manner. Again, that's just a, a very high level definition of of ENO. Again, errors and omissions, errors and omissions insurance, um, but it is something very important to an RA practice. We're going to be talking about how much coverage of that you you will want to have or need to have. Uh, on this episode. Now, I did do a separate episode. If you want to learn more about the process of how to obtain the ENO coverage, what is the steps involved? Who do you turn to for that sort of thing? I did do an entire separate episode on that. That is episode number 46. So if you want to check that out again, how to actually obtain ENO insurance, how long that process takes, who you turn to, kind of the steps involved, episode number 46, check it out. So, uh, the way to think about kind of the first part of this is before you say, well, how how much coverage do I need? Is do I need ENO coverage at all? And there's kind of three main prongs to this that I just want to touch on to, to start here. Uh, so the first is there's generally no regulatory requirement, at least as of today, that like across the board that requires that an RIA have ENO coverage. Um, now, that said, if you are state registered, there in theory are 50 different regulatory bodies out there that in 50 different ways that states might decide to implement rules or not. So it would be specific to your state that you reside in uh, or perhaps that you have clients in could, could perhaps come into play as well. Uh, so the idea is uh, it, it, it could, uh, perhaps your state, perhaps it's a state I'm not aware of that has recently implemented something. Generally speaking, RIAs have ENO coverage not because of a regulatory requirement that they have it, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some point 
that does come along that that is perhaps introduced. If I had to guess, that would start at the state level. Maybe a couple of states start doing it. Would the SEC ever look at it? Uh, you know, to be determined. But at the moment, it's generally not a regulatory requirement that an RA have ENO insurance. So that's kind of prong one, if you will. The second one is, uh, and this is relatively new, is that custodians, uh, most uh, custodians now do require that RIAs that use that custodian for clearing and custodial services have ENO coverage. And like I said, it's relatively new. So that was about, give or take, two years ago or so. Uh, the big custodians, and it's kind of like one went first, and then they all kind of fell in line said, okay, hey, again, if you're an RIA, hey, you want to use us as maybe your, your sole custodian or, or perhaps your multi-custodial. I've done episodes on that. But as long as you're using us as at least one of your custodians, we as the custodian require that you can demonstrate proof that you have ENO coverage. And like I said, most of the large custodians have done that. Uh, there are still some custodians that have not uh, formally implemented a requirement. If I had to guess... It is only a matter of time before they all do. So again, from a custodial standpoint, no matter who you go with, I would be prepared to accept the fact that it will be required by your custodian. I'm going to get into that more here in a moment, kind of what those coverage levels typically are. Uh, but do know your custodian typically will require that nowadays. Uh, and then the kind of third prong of should you have, uh, you know, coverage, it's just a best practice. It's it's the same thing where a, a physician or a doctor, it's a best practice to have professional liability insurance because unfortunately uh, there are people that are willing to sue when they shouldn't, when there's no merit and they and it's it's a malicious lawsuit and it, it could cause you all kinds of expenses uh, and, and you need to protect yourself from that. So uh, it is across the board, typically most all RAs, particularly of large size, have ENO coverage even before the custodial requirement came along. Um, I, I, I did over the years encounter a number of smaller RAs that just chose to not have it. Uh, but, but typically, again, whether it's required or not by your custodian, it is a best practice to have it as an RIA. Uh, and I'll give you just one example, kind of a, you know, a horror story that went wrong. Uh, this is a number of years ago. I was familiar with an RIA uh, that's, and I forgot what they had. I, maybe they were state registered, so I don't know, maybe eighty million in in, in asset size or whatnot. And uh, it turns out the the the, uh, the main principal, main owner, just chose to not have ENO coverage. And I don't know entirely what his motivations were. Whether it's just to save money, whether he just thought there was no risk. He did not have ENO coverage, and part of his and this, I had multiple conversations with him over over like a two year period because there's a whole issue that unfolded, which I'm going to kind of explain. Uh, over that time period, uh, had had these conversations, and, and part of his justification for why he didn't have it is is he he said, "Well, I I know my clients, and I know that none of my clients." would ever sue me or take issues with me or we could work things out and it would never rise to that issue that I that I could be in that situation. And one, I would say that's a, a little short-sighted because yes, you, you 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 would like to know your clients, you would like to feel they would never do something like that, but it only takes one to to, to for you to misread them and, and for it to create an issue. But perhaps even if you were confident as this individual was, this advisor was that your clients would not sue you over anything. In his case, it was not one of his clients 
his client passed away and the 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 beneficiary of the account with it was that client's children who the who the advisor did not have a relationship with the children came in and the children took issue with how the advisor had traded the account and I, I forgot all the specifics but basically they took issue with things that had happened uh, over the prior couple of years that the advisor had performed for their their now deceased uh, parent and 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 with no relationship they had no problem apparently suing the advisor over this uh, and this turned out to be this multi year protracted legal uh, situation. The the uh, advisor, as part of his RA, he ended up spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees defending this because it was just, it, it was turned out these, these children were just, uh, they're adult children, but they were relentless in pursuing this. And, and the advisor, coincidentally, at the end of the day, after years and hundreds of thousands of dollars actually won the, the arbitration over it. And not only that, actually won legal fees to be to be uh by the other side so that so the advisor was absolutely exonerated to the degree of hey not only did you not do wrong hey you shouldn't even be paying legal fees for all this but the challenge was and and, and besides the fact the advisor had to front hundreds of thousands of dollars all these years now he was tasked with trying to collect his legal fees from these adult children who didn't really have the capacity or willingness, clearly they're willing to fight in every way to try to get those legal fees back. And I don't know how it ever fully ended up, whether he even got 50 cents on the dollar, if, if even that back. But basically, he was out hundreds of thousands of dollars over this time. And I, I remember him telling me, he said he was so just exhausted over this process and wore down. And financially, it was absolutely straining him significantly and I remember him saying, oh, once this is done, I'm going to get E&O coverage. And, and I, I wasn't going to pour salt in the wound on it. But I remember thinking, like, OK, that, that's the equivalent of saying when your house is on fire, oh, wow, I, I am definitely going to get homeowners insurance. It's like, no, insurance is for before these issues happen. So just a takeaway for you. Uh, there's, that, that's certainly not the only kind of story out there like that. But if you're at all wavering and if your custodian didn't require it, I would just say, it's a necessary expense. If you're going to run an RA properly, you need to have E&O coverage. So then that dovetails to, okay, well, how much coverage do I need to have? And, and typically, uh, oftentimes that's going to be dictated by the custodian's coverage requirements. Now, each custodian has kind of set their own, that of the custodians that require it, they have kind of set their own they feel is an appropriate standard, an appropriate amount for an RA to have. And typically, in aggregate, that dollar amount is roughly $1 million, give or take. And I'll give you examples. Uh, so just to give you an idea, this is not, oh, you need to have $100,000 in coverage or $10 million in coverage. Typically, that coverage level that the custodians require is a minimum of roughly $1 million in coverage. Now, where it gets a little more nuanced is the custodians have typically kind of broken that million dollars down. So they might say, hey, well, you need to have a million dollars worth of E&O coverage, but you also need to have $250,000 worth of employee theft coverage because perhaps the malicious actor is actually someone on your team. So in addition to the E&O coverage, you need to have this other coverage as well. Uh, others say, hey, it's a million dollars total of that uh, maybe seven hundred fifty thousand has to be E and O, and the two hundred fifty thousand something else. <laughs> Excuse me, but in aggregate, 
the idea is that it's give or take roughly $1 million in coverage uh, that you need to kind of have in your mindset. And, and like I mentioned there, there are different coverages that are typically kind of bundled together with E&O. So that is additional possible coverages you might choose to obtain or be required to obtain, such as cyber uh, uh, insurance for if there's uh, someone hacks into your system and that's how they are able to maybe steal money from clients' accounts, uh, or if you have employee theft, as an example. So there's a couple different types of coverages that, that sometimes kind of get lumped into this, this quote-unquote E&O umbrella terminology we use. So your custodian might say, oh yeah, you have to have E&O coverage, but it turns out, well, the main part of that's E&O coverage, but then you also maybe have to have a, a slice of cyber insurance coverage or employee theft coverage. And again, there's there's no uniformity amongst all the custodians, except they they all happen to be gravitated around this roughly 1 million give or take mark. Um, now, how you know that is your custodian, okay, so specifically, what do I need and how much of each? Obviously, your custodian will will tell you what that is. And then the uh, the providers, which I'll just kind of touch on here at the end, and like I said, did did, did a separate episode uh, number forty six on the insurance providers are obviously well versed on what each custodian requires. So you go to them and you say, okay, here's the custodian or custodians, perhaps more than one I'm using. How much coverage of what types do I need? And let's let's kind of package that together. So I know that's required by custodians, typically in that $1 million coverage amount, but there could be a couple of variables uh, of what kinds of coverages you need to be aware of. Uh, and then you know, the, the uh, I, again, I don't want to dive too much into how to obtain it because I did a whole episode on that. Uh, but just, I often get asked, you know, hey, what drives the price of the premiums for E&O coverage? And typically the two largest variables in it, and, and keep in mind an, R, an E&O policy is at the RIA level, and then it covers all of the individuals underneath it. So it's it's not a matter where each of the individual producers within the RIA have to go out and get their own E&O coverage. The E&O coverage is typically at the RIA level, and it covers everyone underneath it. Uh, and the, the kind of the two of the biggest drivers that, that dictate the premium prices, how much AUM does the RIA have? So obviously, the bigger the bigger the RIA, the bigger uh, the the the, the risk is, and so the bigger the, the potential uh, premiums that go along with it. And then they do look at things like what type of investment solutions do you use with your clients? And they will put, if you do a lot of, for instance, alternative investments with your clients, fair or not, that is deemed uh, by the insurance companies to say, okay, there's some higher risk there that there could be issues or clients, clients take an issue with it. And so if you use a lot of those products, that's going to drive the premium as well. So so part of that process is is the uh, the insurance providers will look and say, okay, well, how big is your firm? What kind of investment solutions do you use with your clients? So just know those are kind of two of the bigger uh, drivers on premium uh, or that would drive the premium price. Uh, and and then just to, just to leave it on, like I've been touching on throughout this episode again, did the whole separate one is there are specialty insurance providers that specialize in this industry, the RA industry. Uh, that that you're not just going to some insurance person down the street uh, trying to say, hey, I need professional liability insurance. Tell me what I need to know. I mean, in theory, you could attempt to do that, but you would want to go to there's some very good, highly specialized insurance providers that know what those custodial requirements are, that know what a typical best practice is. So if if you do have a, a $300 million practice or a 500 or a 1 billion, you know, what is what is the typical coverage amounts that those size firms uh, often get? 
which which could be in in excess of what just a custodian absolutely requires you to have. So you you do want to uh, rely on these folks. There's some very good ones out there that again know this space can help you through that process. And then if you want to learn more about how that process works, check out episode number 46 of the series. So with that, I hope that gives you just a little idea of why you need to have ENO coverage, roughly the amount of uh, coverage you're, you're almost certain to be required to have, again, roughly that 1 million, give or take, and some of the different nuances and variables that go into all this that you want to be aware of. Bottom line, whether you're required to have it or not, it's an absolutely best practice. You will want to have it as part of your firm. It's just one of the necessary costs of running a professional RIA practice is to have ENO coverage, but you want to make sure you're doing it correctly. You want to make sure you're protecting yourself and meeting all the requirements of a custodian and, and perhaps one day maybe even regulatory requirements. Uh, so with that, uh, like I said, my name is Brad Wales. This is the sort of thing I help advisors with is, is understanding, hey, if you were to transition your practice into the RIA model, what are all the variables that you need to be aware of and, 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 light, and also how are you going to solve for all these things? So whether that's compliance or technology or custodians, E&O coverage. Okay, how does it work? How do you solve for it? Who are the solution providers? What's the, what's the process involved? Typical part of the conversations I have with advisors. Happy to have that conversation with you, whether you want to talk about today's topic or anything else RIA, RIA related, happy to do so. Again, as I said at the top, if you head to transition to RIA.com, you can find all the resources I make available. Again, this entire series in video format, podcast format, I have articles, I have white papers. At the top of every page is a contact link. Just click on that and you can instantly and easily schedule a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me. Again, to talk about anything RIA related and how it might affect your practice if you were to transition into the model. Again, happy to have that conversation. Transition to RIA.com. And with that, I hope you found value on today's episode and I'll see you on the next one.